How are you? Warm. <laughs> yeah, join the club. It's all right, we're all warm together. Um, as Rach said, my name is Esther. Um, I'm one of the key leaders here at church. Um, it is good to see you all this morning. Um, so for the last uh, few weeks, our Sunday teaching has been in this Becoming Like Jesus series. Uh, and we've explored how the Holy Spirit helps us in that, how we become like Jesus in a place of community, um, and also some of the practical uh, bits and pieces around that like that we can use or do. And I remember Derek uh, encouraging us back in May to avoid getting hung up on which words, which practices are the right ones, like this isn't another set of written in stone commandments or an impossible to-do list to add to everything else. Like becoming like Jesus. That's this is the point, isn't it? And becoming like Jesus is a process and a never-ending one at that. And I mean that that sounds horrendous in some ways, but I mean that in a good life-giving kind of way. Like becoming like Jesus is something for us to grapple with and intentionally take on together. So we keep on. And we unapologetically keep talking about becoming like Jesus. Not because we're rubbish at it and we must try harder. But because we believe this is what God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit want for us. And because as this happens, we see a Jesus-shaped transformation in our own lives in our church, and in the world around us. Maybe all three at the same time. And so today, we are linking becoming like Jesus and the whole of our lives. And that, the whole bit is important. So following Jesus, it's not just about the religious moments or what we might call the spiritual parts of life. And literally, thank goodness for that. Because there's got to be more to Jesus than what happens in a church-type gathering or building with similarly-minded people, right? Like this. This can't be it, can it? And I think we know that Jesus is a whole life kind of deal. But like actually living, so that affects what we prioritise, who and what we value amongst a whole load of other things, it's not easy. So I think this is something that is really worth us taking on. So are you ready? Thanks, Tim. <laughs> um, as we start, uh, I just want to lay a bit of a foundation that we need to try to build all this stuff on top of. And it's to do with our identity, uh, how we see ourselves and others and we're going to read two bits from the Bible. Um, the first bit is something God says right at the beginning. And the second thing is something Jesus says in his first live on earth preach. So in um, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, God says, Let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness. And in Matthew 5 uh, verses 13 to 16, Jesus says, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, 
bringing out the God colours in the world. We have been created in the image of the God team. To be like them, to look like them, to sound like them. And our purpose is to bring out the awesome God flavours and colours in this world we live in. And this is it. This is across the board. These words spoken by God and spoken by Jesus are very specifically for every single person here. And actually, every single person. Full stop. But you can't count yourselves out of this. There are no special cases. There's no excluding small print. We are all made in God's image to intentionally pull out Jesus and his good stuff in all the places and spaces we do life today. And we're all different, aren't we? I dare you to have one of those cringy look around at people. Go on a day to look someone in the eye. <laughs> oh, I love that I get to do that. Um, yes, yeah, so we're all different. Like The places and the spaces of our lives are very different to each other. We all have very different day-to-day roles in life. Like there's huge diversity in this, in, and in who we are, where we're from, how we think, what we like, and so much more. And this diversity is good. No one thing, one person, is better than the other. We're just different. So when we think about life... We don't just look after our kids. We're not just retired. We don't just work at a supermarket, whatever it is. We are all unique. The whole of all of our lives are valuable. We are all created specifically and intentionally by the God team to be like them, to live like them, to keep becoming more and more like them like Jesus. So this is the foundation that we're going to try and build on today. And yeah, Father, as we think about this stuff and yeah, thank you that we are all created in your image. Yeah, thank you that we are here to bring out your good stuff in the world around us. And whether we feel 100% on board with that or sceptical and cynical, yeah, Holy Spirit, will you um, move in amongst us this morning? Will you, will you speak to us? I pray that we will hear you. Amen. So we're going to use um, three bits from the Bible to explore how becoming like Jesus and the whole of our lives might fit together. First of all, we're going to have a read from Exodus 31, uh, verses 1 to 6. The verses we read will be on the screen. If you've got a Bible, it might be helpful to kind of jump around all over the place. Um, So uh, Exodus 31, a bit of background. Um, Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt. Uh, God has given them the Ten Commandments and other guidelines of how to live differently. And the point of this is so that as they live differently other people around them will encounter God. And God has also given the Israelites some very specific instructions to build 
a place for him to be right in amongst them. So uh, Exodus 31 verses 1 to 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for working gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of... son of that person, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. I have also given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. I think this is very cool. Like this guy, Bezalel, he's good at making stuff with his hands. He's arty. He's creative. All the things that amaze me when I see them in other people because I'm rubbish at that stuff. Um, God sees this talent in Bezalel, and he knows about it because he put it there. And so God says, I've got a job for you, and for your mate who will help you, and actually, I have given everyone exactly what they need to do the job I'm asking you to do. And if you uh, skip ahead to chapter 36, um, you can read that, they get on and do it. Like they hear the ask. They respond with a yes, trusting in the good stuff God has given them to do what he has asked them. And they create a place for God's presence to reside, a place for Israel to encounter God, which is pretty awesome. And similarly, as we use the gifts God has given us, in the whole of our lives, we become more like Jesus. And we become spaces for people around us to encounter him, to see Jesus, to hear Jesus, to feel his presence. But my question is, do we really believe this? Oh, no answer. Great. (laughs) Uh, Do we see the ability to create a cracking formula-filled spreadsheet or the ability to make a delicious Victoria sponge cake, to be able to think uh, creatively outside the standard boxes of life, to do something, anything well. Do we see this stuff as an opportunity for us to become more like Jesus with the potential to point others to him? Like, do we really value the whole life stuff in ourselves and in others? Do we believe that God loves a well-made spreadsheet as much as a sermon? That he enjoys the ability someone has to pull a tooth out well as much as someone's ability to lead a church in worship? Right, let's have a read of verse 3 again. And remember, this is God speaking. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Bezalel is filled with the Spirit of God, and with that comes all kinds of skills. 
I love that. All kinds of skills. I love how broad and expansive that is. And of course, this goes for us too. So um, stick your own name in there. Like God says, I have filled you with the Spirit of God and with all kinds of skills. And like, notice how that makes you feel. It might be an uncomfortable thing to do, but this is so important. And it reminds me of the other week when we talked about how God speaks to all kinds of people, through all kinds of people, in all kinds of ways. And we read from Acts 2 verse 17, where God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. All kinds of people with all kinds of skills. And this is the whole of our lives becoming like Jesus. And I think um, the exciting thing is, like when we put our spirit given all kinds of skills together, like the possibilities and the potential is beyond anything we can do on our own, anything we can ever imagine. So now we're going to have a look at some verses from a book called 1 Corinthians in the New Testament part of the Bible. And these verses underline the all kinds of skills thing and how massively important it is to use all our good stuff together as a community. This isn't just about us as individuals. Uh, so we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 27 to 31. And I'm going to read from the message version of the Bible. Um, I quite enjoy the tone that I think this version gives Paul as he writes these words, or what I, what I hear anyway. So, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. You're familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in his church, which is his body. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, organizers, those who pray in tongues. But it's obvious by now, isn't it, that Christ's church is a complete body, not a gigantic, undimensional part. It's not all apostle, not all prophet, not all miracle worker, not all healer, not all prayer in tongues, not all interpreter of tongues. Yet some of you keep competing for the so-called important parts. But now I want to lay out a far better way for you. And lists like we read in verse 28, I think are tricky. And if you're anything like me, you already started a bit of a grading system, like what you think is best, which you'd really like, which you think you might actually have a shot at. Anyone else? Thank you. Phew. <laughs> but with, without realising it, we've straight away made it all about us, which of course is completely the opposite of what Paul is trying to say here. And um, it reminded me of, um, so years ago in this small group I was going to, um, we did one of those test things, which obviously I hate, um, where you answer um, loads of questions and it told you uh, which of the body parts listed by Paul here you're most, like, you're, you're most like or likely to have. 
And I remember, like, really clearly, as we were doing this, hoping with everything I had that I did not get the organising one. Even though I knew that organising was something that I'm pretty decent at. Because who wants to be an organiser when you can be a miracle worker, right? But Paul opens with this no-nonsense statement. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. And this you is a plural you. That you all are Christ's body. That's who you all are. None of you must ever forget this. And we know that one part of a body is pretty much useless on its own. Like one part only makes sense and works to its full potential when it's connected to other parts, to the whole. And a bit further on from the verses that we just read, in chapter 13, Paul tells us about the better way that he mentions. And it's a way that isn't pushing to the front, isn't seeing some skills or roles as more important or better than others. It's all about love. And in chapter 13, verse 5, Paul says, Love cares more for others than for self. And so, like, can you imagine what this could look like? like? If we embrace, own and use all the good stuff God has given us, whatever that is, and if we put all of that together, and I mean all of it, and if we did that from a place of love, putting others before ourselves, and if we're all in with a Holy Spirit-filled, whole life surrendered to God, way of life like this is life changing world changing God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven stuff and this is us becoming like Jesus together and it's one of the last things that Jesus prayed into before he died in John 17 20 to 21 Jesus prays I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that's us. That all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Like we don't become like Jesus just on a Sunday to be a part of a weird, exclusive Jesus type club. Like this is the whole of our lives, and it's not about me and you. It is so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Uh, so we're going to finish by having a look at a specific, specific example of some people in the Bible who do this Jesus and whole way of life kind of thing. Um, they are a couple called Priscilla and Aquila. Great names. Um, and we hear a bit about them in Acts chapter 18. So we're going to read uh, verses 1 to 4 and then uh, skip down to verse 26. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. 
Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Um, Verse 26. He, this is another guy called Apollos now, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. So Priscilla and Aquila have not had an easy ride. They've been forced from their home in Italy by the ruling Roman emperor. He doesn't want Jews in his country, so they instantly become refugees. And I think this is really important because Priscilla and Aquila, they're they're not all cosy and comfortable living their best life in a home they've had for years. They've found themselves in unfamiliar Corinth. I think they've got every right to be hacked off, to shut themselves away while they make sense of life. But instead, we see them holding out their whole lives in open hands, surrendering it all to God. And they share their new home. They use their work in very practical ways to support both Paul and Apollos. And Christine Pohl says in her book called Making Room, she says, hospitality is not optional for Christians, nor is it limited to those who are specifically gifted for it. It is, instead, a necessary practice in the community of faith. And before, if you haven't already, if, <laughs> before we come up with a list of buts and reasons why this car shouldn't, won't apply to us, Here's a definition of hospitality that I've found really helpful and liberating. And actually, to be honest, it's even more challenging. Um, And this is the definition. Hospitality often means giving who we are, giving our time, our undistracted attention, our presence. So hospitality is not optional for Christians. It often means giving who we are, giving our time, our undistracted attention, our presence. So giving who we are. Like who, who we are. Not who we think we should be or who we wish we were. Who we are right now. How God very specifically and intentionally created us. And giving our time our undistracted attention, our presence, like basically the whole of our lives, like giving it all to Jesus, to each other, to people we like, people we don't, everything we have and everything we don't, the whole deal. Because somehow, as we live like this, we become more like Jesus. And that's what we want, isn't it? Because we know that us becoming like Jesus can quite literally change anything and everything. So, what do we do with this? Asking myself. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot in there. And, um, yeah, just like take a minute now. Have a th- Is there something that has really kind of stood out for you? Is there 
anything that you think God is giving you a nudge on. And we're going to, um, yeah, we've got some time and space now to um, respond, to pray together. We're going to um, share communion as well. Um, and there was, as I was preparing this, I was reminded of the feeding of the 5,000 story and um, the little kid who comes to Jesus um, with a pat lunch of five bits of bread and two fish. And the give it all to Jesus, not holding back, like giving it all. And yes, like we've kind of, I think, talked about, sometimes it's easy to look at your packed lunch and then look at someone else's next to you and think, ah, no, mine's not up to much. Nah, Jesus won't want that. I'll I'll just, I'll just put that to one side. I'll let, I'll let that person over there with the sourdough and salmon (laughs) give it to Jesus but we're all different and whatever it is we have in our hands Jesus wants it and Jesus can do above and beyond anything we might imagine and that's for all of us here so yeah, that was just something that came to mind. Um, and yeah, I've got a bit of a, a prayer that I've nicked from Danielle Strickland. Um, and yeah, we're just gonna gonna have it on the screen and use it as a kind of um, as we take communion together. So um, yeah, this is a prayer like have a read of it absorb it um, take a deep breath and yeah pray it so this is the prayer my life is not about me I surrender to you Jesus What I have is not mine. I want to live an open-handed life in a closed fist culture. I want to live for something greater than me. For you, Jesus. So Jesus, as we share communion together, as you asked us to, to remember you and who you are, yeah, we remember how you, Jesus, surrendered everything. From the moment that you were born here on earth to your 30-odd years of life and your death and resurrection, yeah, Thank you that we see in you that totally surrendered life.
And we know that we can't compare ourselves to you and that is an overwhelming thing to take on and to think about becoming like you, Jesus, seems ridiculous and impossible. But we trust you. We trust that you do want to take whatever it is we think we have in our hands and you want to do above and beyond anything that we can imagine with us as individuals, with us as a church family together in this community. Yeah, will you show us this way of life that is... Um, yeah, using the good stuff you've given us together to point people to you. So yeah, Jesus, thank you that you love each one of us here. And yeah, as we share communion, yeah, pray that we will encounter you, Jesus, that we will see you and hear you and know you with us. Amen. Oh,